This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. It's playoff time. It's hard to believe we're we're here. The Rockets are getting set to take on the Portland Trailblazers this Sunday in Game One of their first round series, and I'm um, I'm thrilled to have with me again today a good friend uh, who you've known for years on sports radio. Uh, and this season, we've gotten to know him on the, the tube as well as um, as the Rockets insider for CSN Houston. You can also read his work uh, at CSNHouston.com. And that's Mr. Adam Wexler. Adam, uh, welcome back to the podcast and, and thanks for joining me. You bet. Great to be here. Playoff edition. <laughs> Absolutely. This is going to be great. And before we dive into the playoffs, and I know there's a lot to discuss, um, I want to get your thoughts on on your first year with CSN Houston, how that's gone. Um, and I guess ask you the question that, that seems to be on many's minds is, do you get to sit next to Leila Rahimi for the whole game? <laughs> the whole game, yep, start to finish. Work with her on, on off days, it's, it's super duper. Yeah, no, that, that's a huge part of my job. It is, I'm sure you guys have noticed that there are three of us uh, sitting in that spot during home games. And Bart's on one side, and I'm on one side, and of course Layla's right there in the middle, so we're both sitting next to her, so I think we're doing it right. Uh, it's been a great time. It's it's awesome to be covering you know one of the teams here in town, especially the Rockets, since I've had a chance to work both covering the Rockets over the last fifteen, almost twenty years now, and having that had the opportunity to work with the Rockets on the broadcast team a handful of years ago. It's been great, and obviously this team presumably is at least as interesting as just about any team they've had in the last twenty years because of what they're doing, and it's simple: they're winning. Uh, they have a realistic chance. Uh, when the question gets asked this year, and it's going to be asked, I'm sure, in the next five minutes or so, do they have a realistic chance to compete? We, we get to give a good uh, answer that's, you know, people want this team to be involved in the, in the mix, and they're in the mix. So it's been great being over at CSN, and you know, obviously I wish everybody had access to it, and hopefully at some point, who knows when, uh, that can be fixed. And, uh, you know, I hope this lasts another couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe on into June, but it's been great to cover it. All, most of my stuff's been online, but obviously during our weekly shows, uh, Sports Talk Live and our news programs, I'm on there quite a bit, and that will continue on through the playoffs and on into Portland and, and if they come back again, all that stuff. So it's been awesome. Awesome, man. You guys are doing a great job, and uh, I appreciate your, your thoughts on that. You know, the Rockets got Portland, which many people feel – was the ideal matchup, but you know, looking back, it's hard to believe the start of the year. Uh, this is a team was a team that some of us, myself included, thought you know might give up Lamarcus Aldridge and rebuild. Uh, that at best was maybe a bubble playoff team, um, you know. But they ended up finishing with the same record as the Rockets, 54 and 28. Uh, they're a dangerous team with two All Stars uh, in Lamarcus Aldridge and Damian Lillard. Uh, the first, I believe, the first Blazers combo to each average 20 or more points since 86-87 when Drexler and Vandaway did it. 
but having said all that, uh, was there a better matchup out there for Houston anywhere? I mean, if this was the D League and you could handpick your opponent, would you rather have faced Dallas, Memphis, or Golden State? That's kind of funny you mentioned the D League, where they do the top three seeds select from the pool of wildcard teams that made the playoffs on who they want to play in the opening round. And it didn't work out for all of them. There were a couple of upsets in the opening round of the postseason. Um, if they had a chance to pick and they were the fourth seed in the West, obviously they really wouldn't have had a chance. But I bet you the Blazers might have been the team left um, just in the way that matchups work. Uh, with so many other teams having such success against others, I'm not a huge fan of that statement. You know, this is the best team they could have gotten. Uh, Golden State playing the way they were down the stretch looked incredibly dangerous. But if Andrew Bogut's not playing, I don't think that's a very good matchup for Golden State against Houston just because of what you saw True. down the stretch. I'm sure everyone saw their their game with Denver when it, it, Timothy Mozgov went out and just blew them away, and so did Kenneth Reed. And I think that's what the Rockets might have had a chance to do to them on a nightly basis. If you can't, they can't rebound without Bogut. So I'm not sure what kind of team they're going to end up being. Their series will be awesome to watch because of, of what they look like against the Clippers. But you know, these teams are just not that different. I mean, the seven and eight seed played a great game on the last day of the season. Clearly, they're very similar in the Mavs and the Grizzlies, and so are their matchups with the Rockets because they split those eight games. Houston did with those two teams. Yeah. But the Grizzlies are, are to me, they're they're you know, 53, 54, 55 win team as they are today. They're, they didn't win that during the season because Marc Gasol was out for, for enough of the season. They didn't have Courtney Lee the entire season. They were a much better team than the team that was struggling to make the playoffs just because of where their record's at. Now that they're there and you wipe it all clean, they're not the eighth best team in the Western Conference. They're not the seventh best team, which their seed is. Uh, those teams are way too close together. San Antonio, right. Oklahoma City, and the Clippers separated themselves. I don't think there's a ton of difference between the other five teams, but I do think the Rockets are the best of those five teams. Yeah, I agree with that. I, Memphis is the team that I I was actually hoping they would not uh, go up against San Antonio just for the off chance. I think that's that's a difficult matchup for the Rockets with Dwight having almost no success against them for the last few years and and being able to throw Tony Allen and, and Courtney Lee at, at James Harden makes that a difficult matchup. But, you know, I, I wonder, you know, Portland – comes into this series, they won nine of their final 10 games. The Rockets, uh, five and six in their final 11. They had some injuries, granted. Um, but that almost also leads into to this question because, you know, Beverly and Howard just played the last three games. As a matter of fact, the last game was almost a throwaway, and they were still playing just to try to get some, some game work in. Uh, Rockets didn't really have their full roster. But are, are we overlooking the Blazers because of the past success and, and maybe not – putting enough emphasis on how these teams finished. I think so. I think a lot of people are. I think that's a point that some people are, are missing on what happened over the course of the season and where these two teams are today. And I mentioned it with uh, Memphis, just like I will with Portland. You know, the Portland's playing their best basketball of the season. It matters to me. I think it does. It can all get wiped away in game one, sure, but that's what happens in an NBA playoff series. I think it's very difficult to carry momentum one game to the next, but they have it, to me, going in. The Rockets beat them the last time they played them, and I think that you know many people think, okay, well they beat them three out of four, and they beat them here, so you know they have the upper hand. Well, clearly record-wise and from a tiebreaker standpoint, facts are facts; they do have the upper hand. But that series was awfully close to be looking at it and saying, well, well the Rockets handled them. 
know, you won an overtime game on your own floor, needing a huge comeback to do it, and 41 from Harden to get it done. And that's why you have home court advantage, all because of that one game. The way that they played against them is what I would be happier about, rather than the fact that they won three out of the four games. Uh, they had two games where they shot the ball extremely well, and in their other two games, they were okay. There weren't any games where they struggled offensively. I don't expect that there will be any games where they struggle offensively in this series either. Uh, they did not shoot three-pointers well uh, against Portland this year, except for once. One game they shot well. Three times they shot badly, not just subpar, but badly. That can't continue and and for them to expect to win the series. Um, but I think the way the two teams are playing is a factor. The Rockets are not playing well. The wins they got late, I mean, I, I think they are happy that they found a way to win the last five minutes of several of those games, but they beat bad teams playing bad players, and it still is a struggle to do it, and that's a little bit worrisome. Again, after game one, that'll all be out the window. You know, I want to ask you about the the point guard matchup in this in this series. Um, after the last game in March, Damian Lillard had some comments for Patrick Beverly, uh, talked about uh, Beverly bumping and doing a little slick stuff, said he doesn't really care, uh, quote-unquote, for the extra stuff that Beverly does. It was obvious that uh, that Pat took this personally, went to sports radio, and before finishing his interview, made sure uh, that the interviewer asked him um, about those comments and, and started to, to really tee off on it, said that Lillard whined. Is there some possible bad blood here? Is this the matchup, in your opinion, to watch in this series? Absolutely it is. Uh, it's the only matchup where you're clearly going to see two guys head up pretty much every single time. Lillard brings the ball up the floor almost I mean, nearly every time. Uh, Beverly is Mr. 94 feet, like he likes to call himself, and that's what he's out there to do. He, he needs to concern himself with doing what he's supposed to do for Houston uh, rather than I need to go out and get on this guy. That's what he already does. That's what he does every game. It wouldn't matter if it was Lillard or any of the other six Western Conference point guards. He needs to treat Lillard like he would those guys. Play them all hard. Get after them all the same way. When he played Oklahoma City late in the year, finally, and Russell Westbrook, that's where he fell flat because he went after Westbrook specifically, and not just because he tried to steal the ball from him uh, during another timeout situation, but the way he went about that game and attacked that game. That's a problem. If he does that, I'm not real concerned that he will do that. And I've gone back and watched a lot of uh, interviews with uh, Lillard over on our sister network in, in the Northwest, CSN Northwest, just mm. He gets asked about it all the time. He was asked about Beverly's injury uh, when uh, it looked like Beverly could be out that night. Uh, he was asked about it. He didn't even know about it. The media had informed him that Beverly had that uh, injury, and it was thought that uh, he could be out for the year. And, you know, they indicated, well, maybe this means when you, if you meet them in the playoffs, he wouldn't be there. You know, everything he said about him and the way he plays, it's the same thing he said about him when people thought he was being, you know, nitpicky and a whiner. It, it's factual. Beverly does do all those things. That's why all of the guards feel the same way about him. That's why he has this with Chris Paul and has this with Damian Lillard and has this with Steph Curry, except I think there's a little bit more respect for what Beverly is doing than the media is trying to put out there. The media is trying to create much more out of this. Clearly, there's something there, but there's a, I don't understand what's negative about getting after a guy getting up in his kitchen, you know, being physical with him, bodying up on him, always leaning on him, all the stuff that, you know, uh, for those people that watched the 30 for 30 this week with the Pistons, yeah. they won two championships doing it, and Beverly's not nearly as dirty as those guys. He's just playing hard. 
Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see, I think, how much the ball movement is disrupted by Beverly being on Lillard bringing the ball up because I think that's something that was really missing when Beverly went out with this team. I, mean, I think we saw the defense uh, certainly slip some. Uh, can Wesley Matthews even slow down James Harden? It's been talked about how he's averaged over 30 points in the four games against the Blazers this year. And it seems that if the Blazers are going to have a chance that they need to at least slow him down because he has been incredibly efficient in those four games. Do you think that, there's, that the Blazers have any chance of, of slowing down Harden? I'm not sure that Wes Matthews will have a whole lot of success doing it, and that's really hard to believe because he's not a bad defender, and he does give effort. Uh, it's just a matchup that Harden has enjoyed, and that even extends beyond just this season uh, as they've matched up over the years, not only last year between Houston and Portland, but prior to that. Uh, when Harden was with Oklahoma City and, and uh, Matthews, you know, had defended him in those situations. I'd be pretty surprised if there weren't some opportunities for Portland to put Batum on Harden throughout the game. I think they're okay with seeing Wes Matthews defend Chandler Parsons. He's obviously not a post-up option, and it's not like Parsons is going to shoot over Matthews any more than he would any other player. So I, I, I think that's something you might see a little bit. And I think it's a way to keep Matthews fresh. I expect Harden to have a really good series. Uh, but if he, I'm not sure that every single game will be 30-plus. Uh, I still think there'll be one or two games where he's just not quite there. Uh, the difference is maybe just that one March game between these two teams, you saw it. Uh, Harden's been much, much, much better at getting teammates involved while still getting his own points over the second half of the season, averaging well over seven assists per game since the All-Star break. And again, they really didn't see much of Portland late in the season, just that one March game. That's where I think even if he's only at, you know, 20, 25 points, which I say only because that's well under what I think he's going to average in this series, if he's getting 7, 8, 9, 10 assists, Portland is, they're going to be behind the eight ball if Harden's producing like that. And I think there's a realistic chance that's exactly how he does produce. And I think you nailed it. I think we're going to see an adjustment here because I, I just, I don't think Matthews will be able to slow him down. He, he did seem to do a better job of Harden in that last head-to-head meeting in March, but then Harden just exploded in the fourth. Uh, and, you know, much has been made about Harden's, you know, 30-plus point average a game this year in the four games against Portland, but he posted the exact same 30.3 points per game average in four games last year uh, against a very similar Portland lineup. Um, as a matter of fact, his numbers in eight career games against the Blazers since he joined the Rockets, that exact 30.3 point per game average, almost 50% shooting, almost 46% from three, uh, seven boards, a little over six assists in, in those eight games. So he performs a lot better against the Blazers than he does against the rest of the league. So I think Stotts, uh, Terry Stotts is probably going to make an adjustment here. And I think you probably nailed it that we might, we may see Batum on Harden a lot more often. Yeah, I think they just kind of have to do a little, they have to mix it up a little bit. And the Rockets, I'm sure, are preparing for that. Uh, again, I, I think it's it's interesting that Matthews is a good defender. I think it has a little bit more to do with their team defense. And, you know, Lopez is not a bad center defensively. Matthews and Batum are not bad defensively either at their two positions. Uh, Lillard and Aldridge are awful. And I can't believe that outweighs everything because this is a bad defensive team in Portland. There's no reason the Rockets should go through spells of, of not being able to score. And I think that's pretty much the only way they're going to be in big trouble in this series if they have those long spells. And it happened a couple of times during the regular season. Even in the game the Rockets won in March, they went on a long dry spell offensively, and that's what allowed Portland to get well out in front. And they managed to get so hot late they were able to recover from it. But I think that they've been much better, you know, again, 
it's all about timing. Up until Howard and Beverly left, that's when the Rockets were playing their best. That's when the ball movement was so good. That's when the offense was so good. That's when everybody was at least getting the shots they wanted. Everyone wasn't hot at the same time, but that's when they were at their best. And I think if it's not game one, it certainly will be early in the series. I think the Rockets will be close to getting back to that now that everybody, again, I, I think this is a healthy team. And even though they, they only had those last three games, this is probably the healthiest the Rockets have been all year. You know, I want to ask you about Chandler Parsons as well. Uh, you look at Chandler Parsons' season, especially from three-point range, which is such a key part of what he does for this team. It's almost broken into dis- into like three distinct stretches. I mean, he opened the gate 15, 20 games out of the year or so, really struggling. Then he had that 30-plus game stretch. He hit over 43% from three-point range. And then we saw what we did in the final 20 to 25 games. The, the first 20 games after the All-Star break, he shot under 30% from three-point range. And that's on high volume, about uh, about five triples a night. Should we be concerned at all about Chandler Parsons? I mean, there were some signs at the end of the year he was sort of breaking out of that. But but what is your view on that? I think the signs that you saw at the end of the year are the ones that should make you a little less worried about it. He's you know his numbers end up looking okay, and there were times in the season where he really looked strong. He, he strikes me as just a slightly above average three point shooter, and probably takes a few too many for that. But they have to rely on it, and they, they kind of take a chance pretty much every time they hit the floor. Let's hope Chandler Parsons is hitting tonight. And defenses do the same thing, just the reverse. Let's hope Chandler Parsons is not hitting tonight because he's going to get his shots. You play with Dwight and, and, uh, and James, you're going to get wide-open shots. Beverly takes them and shoots an even lower percentage than Parsons. But you know, the last month of the season, he, Parsons was at 36%. That includes a really bad shooting game against San Antonio, or else it would have been just a little bit higher. That's probably where I would expect him to be in this series, right around 36%. If it's a little bit better than that, you know, obviously Houston has a huge advantage if that's the case. Uh, the better story is he's been better at the other parts of his game. He needs to continue to get to the basket but finish at the rim. A few, uh, fewer pull-ups from seven, eight feet and mid-range jumpers, which we've seen a little more of lately. He needs to get all the way to the basket, and you know, he needs to either finish or pull Robin Lopez over to him and drop it off to Dwight or Terrence Jones to finish. Because they, they do still need him to, to attack a little bit, and the openings will be there. You know, unofficially, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think LaMarcus Aldridge is averaging like 64 points and 37 rebounds, something like that. Maybe against the Rockets, it's not pretty. Uh, I think that the Terrence Jones versus Aldridge matchup is probably the one glaring weakness that the Rockets have coming into this series. Uh, I think Jones at uh, like a negative 45 in the 49 minutes this season against the Blazers. Is this just a bad matchup for him? Will we see less of him and, and possibly even some of the Twin Tower lineup in your, in your opinion? That's totally based on Terrence Jones. I, I don't think I think they are prepared to go with either. I know that they are intrigued by the Twin Towers lineup against them. Did have a chance to see it you know, begin very early in the season when they were both starting. Uh, that was a lineup they used because it was in the first eight games of the season when both Ashik and Howard were out there and with Lopez and Aldridge on the court. It is something worthwhile. Aldridge is a four that will not take you out to the three-point line regularly. So the possibility exists that they could defend him with one of their two bigs, but Terrence Jones needs to make it less of a matchup nightmare, and he's totally capable of that. Keep in mind, he didn't play against Portland a whole lot this year, so it's not really all on him. Obviously, that first game was a nothing for Jones. Uh, He missed one of the other games as well. Unfortunately, it was while he was playing extremely well, but was uh, had a thigh bruise and missed that game. So his season against Portland 
pretty much means nothing. He didn't do a whole lot. He, he played about 50 minutes the whole season against the Blazers. So I don't think what we saw during the season is necessarily how it plays out. Clearly, he's losing the matchup. That's fine. I think we, we can all agree that he's not the better player. But he has to get his two. He has to put up 16 and 8. He has to get out there and have a 20 and 10 game. And against Aldridge, and if they can get out and run, which teams pretty much always do against Portland, that's where he can be effective. He just needs to make sure he makes Aldridge work. And I think the Rockets are kind of okay if Aldridge goes out and gets his 20 points on 20 shots, and most of them are twos, and they're not sending him to the free throw line. They need to do a better job on the glass more than anything else. The Rockets are a bad defensive rebounding team, and the Blazers are a good offensive rebounding team. That may be the biggest advantage anywhere you'd look in this series that the Blazers have. And that's, again, where Jones has to do a much better job than he did over the course of the season against everybody. Just That's one area where he wasn't tremendously consistent, being a good second rebounder with Dwight Howard. A good point, actually, about the rebounding. You know, looking at the center matchup, Robin Lopez that last game at five blocks actually showed more signs of being sort of that that uh, defensive stopper on the inside uh, against the Rockets. But Dwight Howard, you know, averaged, you look at the four games against the Blazers, over 25 points, uh, over 63% shooting, uh, grabbed 13.5 rebounds. You look at the other, you know, all seven playoff teams uh, that the Rockets could potentially face, and there, there wasn't... Uh, another one where Howard put up his high numbers, uh, though it was perhaps close against Dallas. Uh, is he the key, to, in your opinion, to winning this series? You know, I, I don't I don't think so, because I expect him to be what he was. And I don't know that he, I can expect more than that. I don't expect Dwight Howard to be going for 30 and 20 or you know 28 and 15 on a regular basis. But I do expect him to win his matchup. I still think it comes from the the, the rest of the team. You know, the, you know, let's go back to when the Rockets were winning in the playoffs. So, Let's think hard. It's been a while. Let's go back to the championship <laughs> years. Dream always got his, and Clyde would always get his when Clyde was on that championship team. And they won, to me, sometimes because somebody else did it too, whether it was you know over that two-year span, whether it was Cassell or Ellie or Ori or Thorpe. Some one other player over the, those two seasons gave it to him. And Kenny Smith, same thing. And I think that's what's true here. Parsons needs a 27-7 and game. You know, Terrence Jones needs a 22.14 rebound game. And those they're going to win those games when they get that third player. I hate that this stat got ruined at the end of the season. Last game of the season for the Rockets, Terrence Jones obviously was one of their few starters that got legitimate minutes, and it was against an awful team, of course. And Jones had a pretty good stat going into that game, and the Rockets had a pretty good run of it uh, going into that game, of games where he scored 14 points or more. The Rockets had lost only twice all season, and they had won, I think it was 19 in a row. Well, in that game, when they were clearly kind of throwing it away, it didn't happen. He scored over that total, but in, in all reality, that's, to me, what is almost always the X factor for the Rockets. If they go out there and get the third scorer, and it's Terrence Jones, they win. Almost every single time he showed up and gave them something extra, they won the game. And I think it'll be true in this series. Speaking of X factors, uh, I want to talk about the bench a little bit because I think both of these teams have sort of been known as having perhaps a weak bench. Uh, But I look at Jeremy Lin as a guy who could be an X factor. I'm not sure that Portland – 
um, has a guy, you know, perhaps a CJ McCollum or a Mo Williams who can come off the bench and provide uh, that kind of spark. So is there maybe a little bit of pressure or should I say, does Jeremy Lin, in your opinion, have the chance to be the X factor in this series? He has the chance just like anybody else that's not Harden or Howard absolutely has the chance. Now, whether he goes out there and does it, I'd probably be reluctant to bet on it. Uh, he was okay during the season against Portland, shot right around 40% and 36% the three-point distance. Uh, so he was fine. He hit that huge shot in that overtime win we talked about, and he had some moments. And I think there's an opportunity for him to succeed because Lillard defensively is not very good. So they need to try to take advantage of that. Uh, but I wouldn't expect it. I'm not looking at this series and, and saying I expect him to be the X factor. I think he can be, but I think there's other guys I would put in front of him. And, you know, there's just, you know, you got two stars and your next best player is not Jeremy Lin. And the next best player after that isn't Jeremy Lin. So the guys in front of him, Parsons and Jones, to me, are, are much likelier to be X factors than he is. They're, they're going to be in big trouble if he's awful. But I don't expect them to be awful. He was awful in last year's postseason series, but he also got hurt. But that was the first playoff series for Lynn. Uh, he was the starter. They played Westbrook early and then the Thunder without him the rest of the way. And he got hurt. He was he was terrible. There's no other way to put it. I, I don't expect him to be anywhere near that ineffective this time around. I was working on some numbers, by the way, with uh, Lillard versus Lynn and Beverly and just Lillard overall, yeah. both against each other and against the Western Conference. It's remarkable. Lillard against the Rockets this year shot 39.8%, and he's an all-star, and he's a great offensive player, so everybody says. Uh, Lynn and Beverly shot 39.4% against Portland, and they took one fewer shot on the season. So their numbers against each other are almost exactly the same when it comes to their shooting percentage, and a lot's been made of Lillard's inability to shoot effectively against Houston, and... It's it's not all Beverly, and it's not all Lynn. Lillard's numbers against the Western Conference playoff teams, obviously the better teams, they stink. He's under 40% against the playoffs teams. He was only 42% on the season. He is a volume scorer. He's not an efficient scorer. He's a good three-point shooter, and that concerns me. But he's not been an efficient scorer for Portland, and the Rockets just need to continue to make that happen in this series as they've done throughout the year. You know, and and staying on that bench theme, uh, three-point shooting for both of these teams is uh, a critical part of what they do. Uh, Houston leads the league in in three-point attempts per game. Portland's third. Houston's about a league average, more or less, maybe a little bit better uh, efficiency-wise. So it really ties me into this question about Troy Daniels. I mean, we saw this guy gain a little bit of trust here in the last few games with McHale, and uh, based on what we saw, we just saw Cannon and Covington sent back to, to the D-League for a playoff game. Uh, Daniels stayed with the Rockets. Do you think we will see him in this series? Yes, I do. I think there will be at least a game or two, and if it's early, then he'll have the opportunity to play even more later in the series where somebody's not hitting or he wants to get a spark offensively. You know, As little as Daniels will do on the court, it's – it's so clear how a guy like that creates a spark because all he does is shoot threes. You know, that game against New Orleans at home the other week, and he was terrible. He shot one of five, but it didn't matter. They had to account for him. They spaced the floor, but he's also unafraid to shoot. And I've noticed a little bit of hesitancy with Jordan Hamilton after his first three games, and that's essentially why he's been out of the lineup. There's no such thing with Daniels, and that's good. He may miss. 
Uh, he may take some ill-advised shots, but if he's open, it's hard to call them ill-advised, and that's the way the Rockets see it at this point. He was good enough, uh, especially uh, the last game, 6 of 11 and 10 of 25 overall, good enough, I think, to give a realistic option to uh, Kevin McHale in this series. They, they need to hit threes just because that's what they do. And if you catch a guy who catches fire, it just opens everything up for everybody else. He can make life easier for other players. I mean, we're taking a pretty big leap for a guy who's played five career NBA games. <laughs> right. So I don't expect him to, to lean on him. I don't expect him to go to him early. I think this just means he's more likely to turn to him if other things aren't working, if Garcia is ineffective, if you know things clearly they need to go small in a certain situation. And, and this is a very difficult team in my mind to go small against. So I, I wouldn't expect them to have you know any too many three guard lineups where, where, where they're out there like that with two points. But I, I do think he's a realistic option. Just on a side note, uh, Cannon and, and Covington, they looked awful. Last night, you know, Cannon looked gassed while he was trying to lead the team. He scored 25 points on 8 of 20 shooting. Covington looked like he'd been playing 45 minutes a night every day for a week. <laughs> and I don't, I, he's a guy who he'll be on the inactive list, I'm sure. But I, I suspect that it, it's possible Cannon uh, would be the other inactive for the game this weekend. And remember, RGV plays a second playoff game before the Rockets opener. They play again on Saturday back yes. in the Valley. So I'd expect those guys to stay there today, uh, play tomorrow, and then maybe come back. If if there's a reason for them to be active, I could see them being there. If there's not, and right now I'd say there isn't, uh, I'd have Josh Powell active probably before I'd have, have them because unless you, you really think there's going to be a need that night for a third point guard when the other two guys are healthy, uh, I, I wouldn't expect it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as far as Daniels is concerned, I, uh, you know, most people know he was 6 of 11 from three-point range in that final game uh, and got significant minutes because of all the, the uh, starters that were arrested. But I'm almost surprised that it took them this long, I guess, to, to get him up here or, or really to sign him. I'm surprised he wasn't picked up by another team simply because he may have all kinds of weaknesses in other areas, but he has it what appears to be the potential to be an elite three-point shooter. And, and I think role players, guys who do things, uh, have a specialty, if you will, that fill a role are what the Rockets should be focusing on. So kind of like what Beverly does, defense and on-ball defense. So I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised it took this, this long, but I think it might just be, might be, like you pointed out, because these other guys, Caspi, Hamilton, have, have struggled, and it really just created this opening for Daniels. I want to ask you as well uh, just – about the potential path to the West Finals. We're not overlooking Portland. Obviously, we've talked extensively about this series. But if they do beat Portland, they, they possibly play San Antonio uh, with a win. Uh, San Antonio will face Dallas. Um, Harden has had tremendous success historically against the, the Spurs. And not just the regular season Spurs, but the playoff Spurs as well. Uh, you put up almost 19 points a game on 50% shooting um, famously in the uh, Western Conference Finals in 2012 when he was with OKC um, and was considered the X factor in that series. Uh, is this the best possible route uh, for the Rockets to get to the West Finals this year? I mean, last year you never would have said going through Oklahoma City was best. It turned out that way because Westbrook got hurt, and that's the thing you never know. I guess today it'd be fair to say it's – 
as good as any route. I mean, the, the top three teams are awesome. Oklahoma City, the Clippers, and Spurs are great. You, you struggled against the Clippers in all the games, obviously. And I, you really did the same against Oklahoma City despite winning the finale. Uh, both teams were down several players in that game. So while you won and enjoyed some success and can use that to your advantage if you were to meet in the playoffs, clearly that's not a good matchup. I think the Spurs during the season are are not who they are in the playoffs. Simple answer is yes. That's that's a better matchup for them. But I'm not, I don't think anybody's saying, "Man, this is awesome!" and go and go catch the Spurs here. This is beautiful. A 62 win team who they beat all four times this year. Uh, it's a better matchup. Yes, the Spurs are really good. But if we get to an NBA title prediction, and I imagine we will, I won't be picking the Spurs to win the title. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I I will say that uh, you know I just. You know, and I hear that often, like, be careful what you wish for. They're not the same team in the playoffs that they're in the regular season. All true. It's just that, you know, the alternative facing the Clippers or the Thunder, uh, when you look at the numbers, it just there's no doubt you would hope to, to face San Antonio. Not, not because it's, uh, you know, an expected win or anything of that nature, despite going the Rockets going 4-0 this year against them. Uh, it's just it gives them the best chance, in my view, to get there. So you look at how Dwight Howard did against the Clippers and Thunder, uh, averaging single digits, and and Harden's struggles against some of those teams, and it's just it's not pretty. You would hope that that of all those you know those three top teams that they would face the Spurs. Yep, I mean there's there's no doubt about it. And again, it's not to knock the Spurs, and it's not to go give bulletin board material. Let's go get the Spurs. This is who they want, but. I think that the style of play that the, the Thunder have and who they have, and the same thing with the Clippers, it, it's realistic. It's fair. It's okay. It's 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 fine to analyze these teams and these matchups and expect the other two to be more difficult, and, and they just flat out are. Uh, they have a tough time. They cannot stop, you know, Kevin Durant, uh, and nor can anybody, and he's the best player in the in, in the Western Conference. So not catching him is a good thing. And a healthy Thunder team is something you also just didn't see a whole lot of this year. This is one reason why Durant's going to win the MVP by a lot. He should get near – I mean, people are going to call it, oh, my God, LeBron was great. How come he got so few votes? Well, you vote one guy first and you vote another guy second. I, I don't know why you you wouldn't vote Durant first this year, so I don't, it should be a wide margin. They won one fewer game this year and barely had a healthy team for any of their games. You had almost half a season without Westbrook. And their full roster was barely healthy during the year, which is usually what dictates who wins. The healthiest teams usually win, especially when their best player is healthy. And that's who they are now. That's who they are now that the playoffs have begun. Plus, they've added Karan Butler. So I do think the Thunder and the Clippers are better than the Spurs by a very, very small margin. And, you know, see, for the Spurs, being number one matters. It, it makes it easier for them to get to the finals, which, again, I don't think they'll reach. And, you know, the playoffs is, is what it's all about. I think we, we take what happens in the playoffs, like, for example, Lynn's struggles last year, Parsons uh, performing extremely well, and people starting to view him as a superstar uh, in last year's playoff series. But we take what happens in the playoffs and just talk about it all, you know, the entire offseason and leading up to the next year. So I'm, I want to ask you what playoff failure and playoff success would mean to this team. And, you know, right now it's expected for them to win this first-round series, lose in the second round. What would getting to the West Finals mean to this team, and what would losing this first-round series to Portland mean? We'll start on the good side, I guess. Uh, getting to the to the Western Finals or 
I think would be huge. You know, anything beyond that, obviously, is gargantuan. Uh, I think it, it'd be good for who's on this team and, and what they really realize they can do. You know, Dwight Howard and James Harden have both been to the finals before. They know what kind of teams they had then and, and what kind of team they had now. And I would imagine Howard knows he has a much better team than he did when he went to the finals with Orlando. And Harden probably sees some similarities between who he had in Oklahoma City and how they slowly built towards that as what he has now. And he's talked about that a couple of times when asked about some of the similarities. And the thing is, like usual, it takes time. You know, Oklahoma City had early uh, failures in the postseason, and they struggled to make their way all the way back. And now they still had that, you know, that finals disappointment and then last year's injury. So I think it would be great for these guys to realize how much work goes into being a contender and then how much work it goes from being a contender to a conference champion if they got all the way to the conference finals before losing. Winning two playoff series, you know, this franchise has had so little success since they won the title. And yeah. since 97, since they were in the conference finals, they've won one series. That's bad. That's most, every, you know, more than half the league has done better than that. Way more than half the league yeah. has done better than that. So I think it's a long time coming. On the flip side, if they lose in the first round, I think it, it should be considered a pretty big disappointment. I think the, the organization will feel that way. I'm pretty sure the individual players will feel that way. They were close enough last year without Dwight Howard against Oklahoma City, the way that they came back from being down early in that series, that they should know what it takes to win a series, to not give any games away, to seize you know the last three minutes of a game that's close and go out and win it. They should consider. I, In my mind, they're one of the five, maybe six, let's say they're one of the six best teams in the league. And they're at least as good as Miami and Indiana, and I'm including them. So you could put the Rockets maybe even as high as four, which they finished with the fifth best record in the league. Well, the final eight make the you know conference semis, and if they lose in the first round, they're not among them. They should consider that a, 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 a failed season. It should be enormously disappointing if they don't win a first-round series. You just went an entire year with Dwight Howard, and you got no further than you did a year ago? I, I think that should be considered disappointing, even in an incredibly difficult West. It's always going to be incredibly difficult. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. I think if they were to lose this series, especially given the fact that it would probably be their best possible matchup, they didn't even face somebody who, you know, say they, they drew Memphis or something along those lines where, as you pointed out, they're a much better team than their record suggests, and, and you could maybe justify uh, that this is a series they, they should win, despite the fact that both teams have the same record. Uh, you know, before we, I let you go, want to just add, get your predictions, one, on the series, but two, just something that you think you th- think we will see in this series, something will happen in this series, whether it's an individual player stepping up or, or what have you. Uh, I think Terrence Jones is going to have a good series offensively, and mm. I think he has to, to for, the, for the Rockets to win this series. I think it, it's, you know, the, all that he did this series, I think uh, this season, I think he, he and the team have got to have to realize – what a big part of this team he can be. It, it's, he's a little bit reliant on the other players finding him. You know how he always gets those six to eight, ten point first quarters when guys are driving just passing it to him for dunks or he's getting tip-in dunks. He's got to continue to do that. He's just got to be a bigger presence on the board. Maybe I'm a little more hopeful than expectant, but I'll go with that for something on their side. And uh, on a negative side that I think we will see in this series, I still can't figure out why Portland shot so poorly from three-point land against the Rockets during the season. They're one of the league's better three-point shooting teams, and everybody other than Aldridge, to me, is a good three-point shooter. Any three-point shot they get from you know Williams, Batum, Matthews, Lillard, it is good. 
and they just did not shoot well against Houston all, the whole year, under 33%. I think that's going to be – I wouldn't expect that in the series, and clearly that's going to make it more difficult for the Rockets if that's the case. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought it was one of the, the factors I was thinking of when I think people may be overlooking the Blazers a little bit. As you pointed out, a little over 32% shooting from three, uh, despite the fact that they were, as a team, seventh in the league at, at over 37%. So that has to hold up, I think, for the Rockets to to uh, truly succeed in this series, or the Rockets themselves are going to have to shoot better from three. You know, I think – even though there's really nothing to justify this, uh, he did not shoot well against the Blazers um, in this series. I think Patrick Beverly is going to be the guy who's re- who really uh, steps up, and uh, not, not just defensively on Lillard, but I think offensively. I hopefully, what I'm expecting is for him to knock down some threes. And I'm, I struggle with a prediction for this series. On one hand, I want to say Rockets in five. Um, my gut is to say Rockets in six. I just I have I struggle to see them them doing this on the road. So I, and I don't want to say Rockets in seven because I don't think it's going to be that close of a series. But I, I probably ended up going with Rockets in six just based on an average here. Um, but I do think the Rockets end up taking this series. Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if either team was able to escape this series in under six games. I think they're they're you know they were both fifty four and twenty eight. They they. Both had the same record before the break. They both had the same record after the break. Uh, the health of both teams is pretty good. And, all you know, you got four All-Stars in this series. I, I'd be pretty surprised if one team had that much of an advantage. And maybe they win, one team wins in five games if all five games are close, and then all of a sudden one team just keeps winning late. And so while it was a very competitive series, it still ended early. I, I tend to think it's a, it's a six, if not seven-game series and I'll give the team with home court advantage the edge, a slight one. There you have it, man. Adam, seriously, thank you so much. You can you can uh, see Adam's work at uh, CSNHouston.com, and you will uh, also see him as well uh, during the broadcast here in the first round series. Always a pleasure to have you on. Extremely insightful and uh, knowledgeable about the Rockets, and, and thanks again for joining me. Let's do it again before the series against Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yes, Sounds yes. good, man. Thank you so much. All right.